You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's help in Ramat Shemesh Israel 5768-2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Kisavo. We have in this week's Parsha the Tochacha, the very heavy statements from God about what's going to happen to the people of Israel if we do not properly keep the commandments, if we don't properly try our best to fulfill the will of God, if we don't try our best to follow after His ways, to attach ourselves to spirituality, what happens, God tells us. First, He tells us, of course, what's going to happen if we do His ways. Everything is going to be wonderful. There's going to be a life of perfection. There's going to be, we're not going to have any enemies. We're going to be on top of the world if we do what we're supposed to do. However, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, so the, the Torah gives us verse after verse of calamity after calamity, heaven forbid, that will befall the Jewish people if we do not fulfill our purpose in creation. Our purpose in creation is to bring God's light into the world. And God says, if you don't bring God's light into the world, you don't bring my light into the world, then there's going to be terrible destruction because you're not going to fulfill your purpose. And as long as you're not fulfilling your purpose, so you don't have any right to exist. Now, what the verse says, which is unbelievable, in, in the middle of the whole Torah, in the middle of all of these rebukes, in the middle of all the punishments that the Torah meets out, says it's going to happen to us, a veritable holocaust. If you, read the, if you read the accounts of the holocaust and you read what happens here when we don't do what we're supposed to do, so it's clear the holocaust was a result of the people of Israel not prop- properly following the ways of their forefathers, not properly doing the ways of God. And that's why a holocaust could befall our people, heaven forbid. But if we look at the verses, something very unusual comes out. The verse says in chapter 28, verse 26, I'm sorry, 46 and 47, it says like this, All of these things will be a sign and a wonder for you and your children forever, meaning that all of the different things, all the calamities that occur, will be a clear sign for us to be able to see that the issue has to do with the fact that we're not doing what we're supposed to do. And God says these unusual, unbearable difficulties will occur to a person, to the people of Israel, because of not fulfilling our mission. Now the next verse says, and this underscores exactly what the problem is, It's because we didn't serve Hashem, our God, with joy and with gladness of heart, when we had everything. And the verses go on to say that because we didn't serve Hashem, so we're going to end up serving other nations. We're going to end up being subservient slaves to other peoples. And we're going to be under people's heels. We'll be on the bond with a barrel. Everything, heaven forbid, when we don't serve Hashem, so we'll be slaves to everyone else. So now, the question is like this. The verse is telling us that if we don't serve Hashem with joy, we don't have gladness. If we don't recognize that everything that we have is from Hashem, we're not joyous. So these, all these calamities will occur to us. Now the problem is like this. The problem is that nowhere in the Torah, as far as I know, nowhere in the Torah does the Torah say to us, if du es Hashem b'simcha, serve Hashem with joy. It doesn't say that anywhere. The verse, if du es Hashem b'simcha, which is well known, serve Hashem with joy, or there's a concept, mitzvah g'day l'liyas b'simcha, it's a great commandment to be joyous. These things, it doesn't actually say it. Ibn Hashem B'Simcha is a verse in Psalms, which was written hundreds of years later by King David, by David HaMelech. It doesn't say it anywhere in the Torah. Mitzvah G'day L'Elias B'Simcha was even thousands of years later. Rabbi Nachman said it only a couple of hundred years ago. So, how could it be? How can we understand this? That Hashem, He says, all of these calamities have occurred to you because you didn't serve Hashem with joy. You didn't serve God with gladness of heart while you had the opportunity, while you had all of while you had it good. 
How could it be that Hashem is telling us that something that I never even required of you, I never said, God never said explicitly that we must serve Him with joy. It never says that. So how could it be that Hashem is going to give us these ultimate calamities, these ultimate punishments, utter destruction, entire nation, heaven forbid, just because we didn't serve Him with joy? What's the understanding of this? So to give you a little bit of a thought, you know, what I'm going to do here is I'm not going to answer the question. I'm going to answer the question by really showing you that the question doesn't start. There's no question. I'm going to give you a parable, a little thought, a little story, and with that story we'll be able to understand the answer to this question. The story goes like this. It's once a king, a great king, a very majestic king, and he and his wife, so... The queen did not have the ability to have children. Unfortunately, for many, many years, they were childless. And the king and the queen were very upset because they wanted to be able to give over their kingdom to, to one of their own children. They didn't want to give it over to a cousin. They didn't want to give it over to someone else. They were very kind and honorable leaders. And they wanted to be able to raise their children to be able to be the next generation of leaders. But unfortunately, for many, many years, they couldn't have children. After many years, 10 years, 20 years, I don't know how long exactly it was. So finally, they were able to have children. They had one set of twins, identical twins, two boys. And they were raising their children and they were trying to teach them the proper way, that they should be kind and they should be generous and they should love the people. Anyway, when these children were only a few years old, they were four or five years old. So one day they went out to play with one of the royal ministers, took them out to play. And they were playing out in the forest and they went out into the forest, the two boys, without the minister noticing. They thought it would be a cute joke. They went out into the forest, and they went farther and farther into the forest. And as they were going, so for some reason they became separated, and one of them went even deeper into the forest, and the other one was looking for him, but he couldn't find him. And so one of the twins went back to the royal minister, and one of the twins was lost in the forest. And they sent out search parties to find the lost twin, and they couldn't find the lost twin. And it was a horrible thing. The king was so devastated. The queen was devastated. But they couldn't do anything. There was nothing to do. They went on with their lives. And they had this son, this beautiful prince, who they raised to be the next king. Anyway, in the meantime, so this other twin, so he had been lost in the forest. And as he was lost in the forest, he couldn't find his brother. And he went deeper and deeper into the forest. And he came upon a group of monkeys. And this group of monkeys were a very civilized group of monkeys. They weren't very intelligent, but they were civilized. And he didn't know what to do. This young prince, he was only four or five years old. And he tried to communicate with these monkeys. And he decided that he was going to stay with these monkeys because he couldn't find his way out. He didn't know how to get out of the forest. And anyway, so this prince. He was raised by the monkeys. And as the years went by, so he forgot the fact that he was a prince. He forgot his royal nature. He forgot how great he was. He never forgot his language. He was able to speak still in the language of people, but he didn't see any people around, and he didn't have any contact with any people. And therefore, many years passed, and both boys were 20 years old. Anyway, at a certain point, so the twin who was lost, so he found himself back in civilization, he came back into civilization, and he didn't remember who he was, he didn't remember what he was, he didn't remember his connection to the king, and basically he had been with the monkeys long enough, and somehow he was able to find his way back to civilization, and he came back to civilization, and he found himself a little place, he a cardboard box to live in, and he was scrounging around in the garbages to find food. Anyway, one day, one of the royal ministers who lived in that town, where this former prince found himself. So the royal minister saw the prince, 
and he couldn't believe it because already by this time, so people had forgotten that there had been two twins. In fact, people thought that there was only one prince, and that was it, and they forgot the fact that there had been twins. Anyway, so this this royal minister, he sees this the prince, he sees, he can't believe it. He looks, there's a guy scrounging around in the garbage, and this guy looks exactly like the royal prince. He can't understand it. What is the prince doing scrounging around in the garbage? So the royal minister goes over to, the, to this guy that he sees, this poor, schleppy, pathetic-looking kid, and he says to him, what are you doing? You're a prince. How, why are you scrounging around in the garbage? And this kid looks up at him. He's 20 years old already. He says, what are you talking about? I'm not no prince. He says, I live in that cardboard box over there. I'm, I'm looking around for food. You got any food? Give me some food. And the royal minister is astounded. He can't believe it. He's like, what are you talking about? You're the prince. Look at you. You're a beautiful prince. Look at you. Look. Uh, what are you doing in the garbage? And the kid says, I don't know what you're talking about. Get away from me. Leave me alone. I just need some food. Just give me some food. Just leave me alone. Give me some food or leave me alone. Anyway, the royal minister can't believe what's going on. And he goes back to the palace. And meanwhile, it's been so long, they totally had given up hope. They couldn't believe, they didn't even think, didn't even enter their minds that that son still existed. They thought for sure he had died, he'd been eaten up by wild animals, who knows what. Anyway, so the royal minister tells, he comes to the palace, and again he sees the prince. He can't believe it, what's going on? He sees the prince. He, just that morning he had seen the prince scrounging around in the garbage, and he comes to the palace and he sees the prince again, and there's the prince. And he says, what are you doing? Uh, this morning I saw you in the garbage. Why were you in the garbages? And you were acting like a weird. He's like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. The royal minister, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do with himself. He's embarrassed to tell the king and queen what he saw in the morning. He doesn't want to embarrass the prince. On the other hand, this is what he saw. He saw the prince scrounging around in the garbage, <laughs> claiming to live in a box. He didn't know what to do. Later that day, so the royal minister, he goes to this prince, the, the prince who lived in the palace, and he says to him, I'm telling you, he sits down and he says, I'm telling you, I saw you this morning, scrounging around in the garbage. I don't know what you were doing there. The prince says, it's impossible. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, the royal minister, he goes back to his town. The next morning again, he sees the prince scrounging around in the garbage. This happens a few days, one after the other. Every time the royal minister sees this prince in the garbage, and every time he says to him, you're the prince, what are you doing in the garbage? The prince says, I don't know what you're talking about. And he comes to the palace. And again, every time, every time he sees the prince, he doesn't know what's going on. So anyway, so finally he convinces the prince who lives in the palace to come, come with him back to his town. And the prince comes with him back to his town, and he can't believe his eyes. He finds this guy, it looks exactly like him, scrounging around in the garbage. The prince, neither of the two remember each other. They don't remember that there was a twin. They don't remember anything. They were never told. The story was totally covered up. It was an embarrassment to the kingship, to the kingdom. And anyway, so finally they look at each other, and, and they can't, they can't fathom what's going on. They look at each other and they, they, they know they look exactly the same. It's unbelievable. It's uncanny. It doesn't make sense. Finally, the royal minister convinces the two princes that they should both come together to the king and queen to try to understand what's going on. And in fact, that's what they do that day. They come to the king and queen, the two of them together. And the king and queen can't believe their eyes. Here's their son, that lost son they haven't seen in so long. And they start crying. And the two sons, the two princes, don't know what's going on. Anyway, finally, the king and the queen reveal to their two children that, in fact, they remember all that had happened. They go back through the whole story how that son had been lost. They couldn't find him. And the son who had been lost, the prince who had been lost, tells them about how he grew up with the monkeys and how he came back to the city and the whole story. And at first, when this prince who had been lost, 
He sees his family. He sees his parents. He can't believe it. He, he doesn't believe. He can't conceive of the fact. This is my parents. I don't remember. I grew up with the monkeys. The monkeys were my parents. This is my brother. I can't conceive. It doesn't make sense. He, it didn't go in. He couldn't be happy. He couldn't conceive of the fact that this is his life. This is who he was. And for a long time, for many months, it didn't sink in. And finally, after being with his family for a long time, they dressed him properly and they reminded him who he was and he got to see the workings of the kingship and he got to see how beautiful it was, how wonderful it was to be a prince and all of the amenities, living with beautiful baths, living on beautiful grounds, the palace, living inside of the palace, having the orchards available for him whenever he needed it. After all of this time, it finally began to sink in who he was, what he came from, and he had a tremendous joy, a tremendous simcha from the fact that he was a prince. These were his parents and that he would one day, along with his brother, be a king. Now, that's the mushal, that's the parable, that's the concept. It's a captivating story. And I think that its message is clear. And the message here is that as long as we don't realize who we are, as long as we don't properly conceive of the fact that we are the sons of the king, God is our king, we are his princes, you are the sons of God. We are called b'nei malachim, we are called princes, every single Jew is a prince. As long as we don't realize who we are, we don't have the proper joy. But you don't have to tell a prince, a prince who knows who he is, you don't have to tell him to be happy. When you live the lifestyle of a prince, when you're free to be who you really are, to have that connection to spirituality, to be connected to God, to love God, to do His commandments, when you have that real freedom, when you realize what you really have gotten, your spiritual connection that you really have, you don't have to tell a person like that, be happy, serve Hashem with joy. Who doesn't serve Hashem with joy? Who doesn't serve their kingly father with joy? Only someone who doesn't realize how joyous it is to be a Jew, how wonderful it is to be a Jew. Our Chazal, our sages tell us, God wanted to give merit to the Jewish people. That's why He gave us so many mitzvahs. You know, people think, uh, there are so many commandments, how can I do all the commandments, 613 commandments and all the rabbinic ordinances, everything, there's so much to do, how can I ever do it? What we don't understand when we say this type of thing, what we don't realize, we don't understand is that we're the king. We have a special connection to God. Every single mitzvah, every single commandment is our refinement. We're princes. We have a special level. We're so high. God wanted to give us merits. Every single mitzvah, every commandment is an opportunity. It's a chance for us to connect ourselves to God, to come close to God, to be on a higher spiritual level, to be that prince. You don't have to tell a prince. It's unnecessary if you realize the power, the immense status, the greatness of being a prince. You don't have to tell a prince to be happy. Because when a prince looks around and he sees what everyone else has got and what he's got, it's automatic, automatic joy. David HaMelech, if he hadn't said it, we would have known it on our own. The Torah doesn't have to tell us, Ibdu as Hashem b'simcha, to serve Hashem with joy. Of course, if you realize that you are Ben Melech, you are the son of God, of the king of the world, and you get to serve and you get to do His commandments, there's no greater joy. 
And on the other hand, the flip side of it is that if we forget who we are, if we forget that we're the prince, if we get raised by monkeys, we allow ourselves to be raised by a Western culture which thinks that we're monkeys, or we allow ourselves to roll around in the garbage heaps looking for food, watching television, looking for some kind of meaning in life from all kinds of Eastern religions or whatever it is, looking elsewhere. We forget that we're a prince, that we have the ultimate tradition that goes back to Sinai, God himself, reveal himself to over a million people people. We have that tradition. It's our tradition. This is our inheritance. We deserve it. This is what God gave us. When we recognize that, we don't have to be rolling around in the garbage heap. But if we are rolling around, that's when Hashem says, if you're going to roll around, that's where you're going to end up. You're going to end up in the garbage heap. Everyone else is going to be your leader. You're going to be a slave to the Western culture, the Eastern culture. It doesn't matter what it is. You're going to be a slave to everything else. You didn't serve Hashem with joy. You forgot that you're a prince. You forgot that you're the son of the king. If heaven forbid, we forget. So that's when Hashem says, you're going to roll around in the garbage heap. Things are going to be really bad. But if we pull ourselves out, we remember, we recognize, we see we are the sons of Hashem. We're the children of Hashem. He loves us so much. He wants us to do His commandments. He wants us to do all of these things, not as a burden. He wants us to do it with joy because we realize how lucky we are. We are so lucky. We are so lucky that God made us His people. He chose us from all of the other nations of the world. Once we realize that, and we can truly serve Hashem with joy, I want to bless you and me and all of us, that we should merit to serve Hashem with this kind of joy, realize who we are, realize how great, how lucky we are to be the children of Hashem. And with that recognition, Hashem should help us to bring the entire world to that recognition that we're all children of God. And the Mashiach should come very soon. We should all see the King reveal Himself and reveal the fact that we are indeed the princes of the world. Thank you very much for listening and have a great Shabbos.